What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, technician sports editor Camden Spate. And I'm video editor Jalen Harrington. We are back from the new year, back from the holiday. Um, probably should have recorded the last couple weeks, but, you know, we decided to take that off a little bit. Um, we're going to end this uh, this football train that's going on with the coaches and the transfers. We're going to talk about that here today, Jalen. Um, a lot of things happening with that. A lot of things and a lot of bad things. Right. But, a lot of not great things, no, and they keep happening too. Which right, is, which, which is, is why concerning. we haven't recorded this until now, is because they keep happening. <laughs> yeah. But first, we're going to talk about something in the sports world, like we do at the beginning of every episode. Jalen, uh, the most recent college football thing: uh, Clemson and LSU, the national championship game. LSU obviously won. If you're listening to this, you probably already know that forty-two twenty-five. An interesting start to the game, and I think that's kind of where we're going to start here because LSU had this field position battle where they started, like, the first three drives within, like, their own five-yard line. Right, right, right. So Clemson's punter decided to become God in the first quarter, and he just consistently pinned LSU inside the five-yard line. And so, you know, before the game, I kept telling people that Clemson, you know, is not on LSU's level. It's going to be, you know, a blowout. But Clemson stayed in the game literally just because they were able to win the field position battle. And, you know... That was really impressive. Some something interesting there is the the choice of Dabo not to kick field goals at some of those positions because there were times where he was at like the thirty five yard line, maybe forty yard line, decided to punt. I realized that is a very long field goal, right. but then later in the game, I think that they did kick a pretty long field goal, fifty two yards uh, to begin the second quarter. So I realize you don't want to give up good field position at that that early in the game, and they did not lose by two field goals. But it is kind of an interesting choice not to kick those long field goals that early, but then you end up doing it anyway. Right. And, you know, I think the big thing that Dabble was probably thinking is probability. You know, you want to guarantee yourself, first of all, that you're going to pin the other team deep. And you also want to guarantee that you're going to get the ball with great field position. You know, Clemson looked amazing, even their offense in the first quarter, because they were starting a lot of the time, you know, around the 40-yard line. And... When you do that, even if you end up having to punt and pin them deep again, you know, it's very likely that you're going to score a touchdown. So he was playing probability, and, you know, he was right to do that. You know, LSU's offense only got going once Clemson finally scored a touchdown, and LSU had decent field position for once, you know. It's they were trying to keep kind of a tidal wave down. They just weren't able to. Although it was a three-possession game, it was – a three-point game until about five minutes left in the third quarter. And, I mean, that's – for the, until then, it was like this game is going to come down to the wire. I, Clemson never scored again. LSU scored two touchdowns after that. But it was a really close game. I thought it was going to be a very close game. That's why I really didn't want to pick either of the spreads there because I think a touchdown was probably about right and ended up being more than that. But can we talk about uh, Joe Burrow just a little bit here? We we can talk about Joe Burrow. What do you want to talk about? Because about Joe <laughs> that season that he just had yeah, yeah. is ar- arguably the best season of all time. I think he had 60 touchdowns and six interceptions. That ratio is it's incredible. Insane. It's insane. And then you know? what, like 5,800 passing yards or yeah. something? No, not that high. What was it? I don't even remember what it was. No, let's see. He had 5,600 <laughs> passing yards. He had 60 touchdowns, six interceptions. His quarterback rating was 202. He completed 76. 202? Yes, he completed 76% of his passes. That's ridiculous. It's insane. He, like, and I, you know, I'm 
I apologize if you're religious. He was God on that football field. He was he God. Was. He it's, was. It's, no one could touch him. It's insane, you know. And I tried to tell people this, you know, his pocket presence is the best that I have literally ever seen from a college quarterback. It was, it was very impressive. And even the game in the national championship yeah. game, it was a quiet, like, 400-yard performance because he his numbers were – he had 400 yards and four touchdowns at one point. I was looking I was looking at props before the game, and, you know, Joe Burrow had an over-under of four-and-a-half touchdowns. And I was like, I want to hit that over. And he easily yes. <laughs> hit that over. You know, it's just – Joe Burrow had everything on his string while he was playing, and he was so comfortable, you know, in his position. Is this LSU team the best college football team of all time? Absolutely. Um, and I'll tell you, it's because they're the most complete team I ever remember seeing. You know, you have the best quarterback in college football history. You have a great running back. You have the one of the better wide receiver cores I've seen. Great O-line, great D-line. Um, you have good linebackers. You have an amazing shutdown corner in Derek Singley who – does not get the credit that he deserves. You know, when you can shut down a half of a field and Trevor Lawrence refuses to throw at you, you're a very good corner. That and secondary is really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was a great team. And it's sad to see them break up the way they have, but that was a hell of a season. Yeah, I, I mean, we haven't been around for a whole lot of, you know, the history of college football, but I at least in my lifetime of watching football, I've never seen a college football team do this, ever. I mean, it was just... They beat what five of the top eight teams at the end of the season that ranked in the top eight at the end of the season. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, we've seen teams go undefeated and dominate their conference, but we haven't seen a team do it like that against the SEC. Yeah, it's insane. All right, I think we'll we'll leave that there. We'll see how Joe Burrow does at the next level. I'm sure next year we'll be talking about that when the NFL season starts kicking off, but. We'll also see Clemson's revenge tour as they win the next national championship. They got a they got a good team. I yeah. mean, with with Travis coming back, Jeez. and I mean that's they're Dude. just like about the same, aren't they? Nuts. Like it's nuts. All right, we're gonna go on to NC State football now. Jalen, there's there's been a lot of coaching changes, and we're gonna get into a lot of that. Well, at least you're gonna get into a lot of it because <laughs> you're the expert here. So yes, sir. Um, but let's see. Let me count here: seven coaches that are now out, and six on the in list is what we got over here, right. and a handful of transfers that just doesn't tell well for the future of the program. Right. So, do you want to start with the the big coaching changes for this off season? Right. So the biggest change. You already know, you know, Dave Huxtable leaving as defensive coordinator. That was huge. And then Tony Gibson being elevated to the new D.C. position. But Des Kitchings leaving is going to be, I think, something that might haunt Dave in the future. Um, you know, you hired a very good replacement O.C. in Tim Beck, uh, who's also going to be the quarterback's coach. But to have Des no longer coaching running backs and no longer, uh, no longer recruiting for you, you know, that's a huge, huge loss. You know, you also lost Kevin Patrick on the D-line. You lose George Barlow for quarterbacks. You lose Aaron Henry, who they were grooming as a recruiter, and he was an up-and-coming coach. You know, they've made pretty good hires on the defensive side, you know, with Charlie Wise and Brian Mitchell coming over from Virginia Tech. But I just think the two big losses that you're really going to regret moving forward, Des Kitchings and Aaron Henry. Is there any way that – in the future, the coaches that are coming in outperform, and I use that in quotation marks because they're not actually on the field. Right. But, you know, have a better presence than the people that are leaving? Um, I think so. And I think so at a couple of spots. You know, I would say Tim Beck's definitely an upgrade at OC. Uh, you're very happy with that hire. 
Um, Tony Gibson? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the change in and of itself, moving on from Huxtable, inspires confidence, but the jury's out for Gibson. Um, Wiles, not so sure about. Hear good things, but personally, it didn't wow me. Um, but I would say Brian Mitchell. That's the one that I'm most interested in Brian because Mitchell. of coming over from Virginia Tech, right? Yeah. So just kind of that defense over there historically has yeah. been really good, and he's been a part of it the last you know several years. So Yeah, um, and, he, and he's got a reputation for developing players and developing cornerbacks into all ACC talent. You know, I think that's absolutely an upgraded cornerbacks coach. It's very interesting. It's, it's a lot of moving around, and with the coaching staff really – you know, I think it's giving Dave Doran time to see if he can build something else. A lot, you know, he kind of had this stretch the last couple of years, and this year it kind of all fell apart. Right. With the injuries, obviously didn't help. And then you're losing just a, a lot of talent. And we're going to get to the transfers here in a second. But it gives Doran time to prove that he can build a football program again. And if, if he doesn't in the next couple of years, then it's just going to be tough to really find a reason for him to stay. Yeah, I mean... I think NC State fans are probably happy with most of the coaching changes that have happened. But, you know, I kind of look at it from a different perspective. You know, two years ago and even a year ago, the big thing about Doran was stability and, you know, knowing what you're going to get. So you felt with Dave Doran, you knew the team was going to have anywhere from six to nine wins, bowl eligible. You know, you knew the coaching staff, you knew X and Y and Z was going to be the way that it was. And, now in two years, you know, he's lost all of his coaching staff except for one, George McDonald. Everybody's new. You're moving to a new defensive scheme. You know, you've got a lot of players that are leaving, and we'll touch on that later. You know, you have big question marks at quarterback. You have big question marks at DN. You know, there is a real lack of confidence in just envisioning what the future looks like for NC State. And going into the most important year of Doran's career, I don't like having all that uncertainty. When you look at all the coaching changes, I think from my perspective, the players that they're going to have, they're going to be able to do as much as they can with. And I think that the coaches will be fine. What I'm more interested in is the recruiting in the next couple of years, because you lose all these coaches that these recruits knew, then you're going to get decommits. You're going to have a hard time. I think building it immediately in the next two recruiting classes without really any sample size of what they're actually doing on the field. Right, right. So, you know, time is of the essence. And for the last couple of years, there's been kind of the narrative brewing that this 2021 class of high school players coming up is a special mm-hmm. class. It's, di- it's a different class. It's a better class than most of the classes previous to it. So, you know, when NC State has a 2020 class that isn't very highly ranked, you think to yourself, that's fine. That's a filler class. Next class will be great. Now that all of these coaches are gone, you're in a position where all of these 2021 recruits, they know Mac Brown. They believe in Mac Brown. You know, they know all the big schools around the country. You know, they know, um, you know, they know Wake Forest. They know Duke. They know all of the programs in state. There are big question marks at NC State. You're coming off of a bad year. And there's also no stability in the program right now. And it's not 
it all good that players are transferring away. Yeah. So obviously there is a handful of players on the roster that do not believe yeah. in the next coaching staff or just don't want to be a part of the change. Yeah, so what are you selling right now? You're selling playtime. That's what you're selling. Because the guys who are putting people in the league are gone. It's hard to sell that now. Yeah. You know, so you're selling playing time. You're selling Tristan Doran as a head coach. And I don't know that that's going to cut it when, you know, these coaches have five, six months to get these players on board before they start committing this summer. I mean, it's a really tough ask to put, you know, these new coaches in that position of saying, all right, go get them, boys. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you don't really have confidence in taking, you know, the best recruits. And you're going to end up in a place where, all right, Y'all better be able to coach. You better be able to develop because you're not going to get your pick of the litter anymore. You know, it's not NC State State anymore. It's UNC's again. It might be. And I think you might be right about that with just the hype that was around this season. Yeah. The last couple of years, it has not been UNC. It's been NC State. Yeah. Next year, maybe not. All right, let's go ahead and look at the the players that are transferring away. Jalen, you have a nice spreadsheet of the uh, <laughs> the roster and, and who's here and who's leaving. So... Do you want to go ahead and go over some of the main and you know key players that are transferring away? Yeah, so you know the biggest names to know. Um, Got to start with Jeffrey Gunter. Um, he was a redshirt junior defensive end. He transferred in from Coastal Carolina. He was going to start a defensive end, and he was the reason why you felt good at defensive end. You know because you had a star coming in who was proven, and he's transferring. And also Joseph Boltapelli who started last year at defensive end a couple games for uh, James Williams, he's transferring as well. So now NC State's down to <clears throat> three scholarship defensive ends on their roster, um, one of which has seen significant amount of playing time. You know, that does not inspire confidence. You've got Brock Miller transferring. Um, that one doesn't hurt you as much. He's a linebacker. State's really good at linebacker. He also wouldn't have started, um, but not great either. You know, he was a solid player. He knew the scheme. You know, he's a really heady player, and Dave loved him. It's nice to have depth that knows right. the scheme or at least thought we knew the scheme before the coaching changes, and, you know, that's not going to be there at all. So Exactly. And, you know, the biggest hits come in the secondary. You have Nick McLeod, who got his sixth year um, – I'm sorry, got a fifth year because he registered last year. He would have started for NC State. He would have been the top corner. He's not coming back. You've got Devon Graves, who – is the most talented player in that secondary, had, you know, the most potential, the most upside. He would have started next year for Jarius Moorhead, who's graduating. He's also gone. Um, so now you don't know what you have at corner. You don't know what you have at that strong safety spot now that Jarius is gone. I mean, I mean, you look at the roster for NC State, and where, where are you confident? You're confident at running back. You're confident mm -hmm. at O-line. You're confident at linebacker. That's three spots. Yeah. That's it. That's not going to cut it. That's it, you know? And What about kicker? Kicker's pretty good. You get a kicker. You get you do get a kicker. Get a kicker. We're confident in kicker now. Yeah, absolutely. We, we traded away <laughs> the confidence in everything else, but we're confident in our kicker. You know what? Maybe Dave takes that trade. I don't know. He doesn't <laughs> want another Bambar situation happening. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of question marks. And maybe that's, Dave, maybe that's where Dave wants to be. You know, he wants to be with his back against the wall, everybody doubting him. And everybody wondering, you know, what are they going to do here, here, and here. But none of this is going to matter. You know, none of getting the wide receivers right, none of getting the D-line right, none of getting the secondary right is going to matter if they don't get a quarterback. They need a That's grad true. transfer quarterback. Yeah, and I want to go into that. Is how much 
grad transferring are we going to be seeing in this offseason? How much are we going to be seeing coming into NC State? And will it be enough to fill any of these holes that are left by people leaving? And is are there any of these players, do we know where any of them might be going at all? Um, so Graves, I believe, went to Northern Arizona. Um, these guys are going to small schools. Right. Um, I think Brock Miller went to Boise State. Solid move from him. Um, Nick McLeod, don't know where he's going. Bolt, don't know where he's going. Um, Gunter, don't know where he's going. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But as far as NC State going after more people, as far as I know, they have four more spots for this class. Um, if you assume that they're going to get a grad transfer quarterback, other spots to look at are on the offensive line, on the defensive line, and at safety, I would imagine, or where they're going to go. Um you know, it's time for Tim Beck to get somebody good. Yeah, we, you know? And just State needs it, that's for sure. Yeah, Derek King is off the market. Yeah. Felipe Franks is off the market. Um, Very interesting thing with King, too, how he decided not to play last year, taking the red shirt and then transfers out, even though he said that he wasn't going to transfer out. And yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was wild. yeah. Go, go back and listen to that episode of First in Tech. Yeah, we, I so said we did talk he was about absolutely going to transfer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely yeah. was. <laughs> Didn't he transfer with the receiver that was with him? I don't know if he transferred with the receiver. Because he went I to Miami, they right? Both, they both redshirt at the same time. Yeah. I, know they I, I think he went to together. Miami. I don't know if the receiver did as well. I'm not sure. Do but, we play Miami next year? Uh, no. Oh, okay. We'll play Miami for a while. That could, that could have been interesting. <laughs> but no, um, you know, I think if I'm NC State right now, you know, I'm begging Chase Bryce. Yeah. Hey, whatever you want, man, just come here. Yeah. I mean, NC State, how can you be confident in Devin Leary going into next year after the way he finished that season? You know, it's just. I don't think anyone on the roster at that position is just ready. Yeah. And I don't know how. If if, if we just go into the season the same way we did last season, yeah. plus Ben Finley. Plus I think, Ty Evans, don't do that. Okay, okay, okay. Don't okay, do okay. that. Hey, hey, hey. My bad, my bad. <laughs> there you go. Then, like, it's just, I feel like it's going to be the same season. Yeah. Like, it's just going to be the same rotating door of quarterbacks coming in and then and then getting kicked out for someone else who just doesn't do anything either. Yeah, I mean, these quarterbacks have proven that they are not to be trusted with a football in their hands. And I think they can with development. With another year, maybe yeah, the but, ones that have another year, but like, I just I'm not sure any of them are really ready for for this the football next year. Yeah, I mean, if you go into next year with just these quarterbacks on the roster, you are telling Tim Beck, "Hey, be a miracle worker, go ahead and turn these guys into just something that they are not right now." I mean, that's that might just, be what it takes for the season, honestly. <laughs> look, man, I mean. And you have to think of it this way, with all the attrition that's going on, with all the changes that are going on. I mean, if Dave doesn't make a bowl this year, is he on the hot seat? Is I would assume so. I would I assume mean, he's at least on the hot seat because, like, you don't make a bowl, like, that's a problem. Yeah, how, how, NC State fans aren't going to be happy with, with anything, really. So I mean, they won and fired last year, <laughs> and I was telling Jake earlier, you know, if you had told me after Finley left and two years from now a bunch of players would be transferring – and only one coach that's currently on the staff will still be on the staff. I tell you, Bill Belichick says cut a guy a year early rather than a year late and fire Doran. So it's a lot of turnover for yeah. for keeping the head coach. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's interesting that that was the decision that was made. I 
Honestly, I think it's the right decision. Yeah. Um, keeping him on staff because I don't think that it's really fair for that to be it after last year. It just wasn't really necessarily his fault completely. I so I just I, I think it's the right decision. It is interesting that the entire staff is gone basically, yeah. except for Doran staying to try to recruit another class as coaches. I mean, this is definitely one of those years where it was the right decision to make given the information that Boo had at the moment. So Doran needs to go and prove him right now. It'll be interesting to watch. Absolutely. And um, I assume the, the carousel of coaching ins and outs are, are over. No, um, there's one more one more spot now that Aaron Henry's gone. That's so, true. You know, we're gonna, looking to make one more hire, um, and I'm interested to see who they pick. Hopefully it's someone good because NC State going to need it. Sheesh. All right, I think that's all we got for you guys today. Kind of a shorter episode, but not a whole lot to talk about since it is off-season football. But wanted to get you guys updated on what we're thinking about next year with the coaches and the transfers. And uh, it's going to take a lot for NC State to be good next year, but it, I think I think it's definitely possible because yeah. there's there's still a lot of talent on the roster, and the, the coaches coming in are, are pretty good. Real quick, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's up? Over or under, five and a half wins next year. Five and a half? Five and a half. No hedges, no if they do Wait, this. Wait, who's our non-conference? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't even remember the schedule Our now. non-conference is Mississippi State is the good game. Right. And there's like three other trash teams. Five and a half? Five and a half. We're going up against Mike Leach in non-conference. That'll be interesting. I'm actually I excited know. for that. <laughs> I, I That's, that's at home, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm absolutely going to skip Doran's presser to go talk to Mike Leach. Uh, for sure. I mean, that guy's, <laughs> that guy's a genius. Hey, don't wheeze a lot of it. Five and a half. Over, under. Go. I'll, t- I'll take the over. I'll take, the over. I'll take six. Yeah, I don't six. think it's more than six, but okay. five seems really low. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but I think there's, there's a little bit of – of excitement that'll be around some of the coaches, the coaching changes, at least for fans and players. And I don't think the ACC itself is really going to get much better than it was last year. Um, Besides maybe Miami, because they got the transfers coming in, but um, I'll I'll go with six. I'll I'll take the over, not by much. All right. Um, I'm going to go five because NC State loves to come in under my expectations, and I really think six. So I think it's a good they, bet. <laughs> they just barely miss out on making a bowl. Yet again. <laughs> all right, guys. I think that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in again back from the new year. So hopefully we'll have uh, more basketball. I know we already had one come out this week, and um, and we'll have a couple more in the next couple weeks. And um, maybe some Wolfpack Wager. We'll see how the scheduling works out with that. But thank you guys for listening. Again, I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. And I'm video editor Jalen Harrington. And we'll see you guys next week.